Um, British Strongman Podcast, episode 24. Yeah, I think it 24? is. Yeah, 24. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to start talking tonight talking about uh, recovery recovery management and uh, managing niggles. Um, a couple of people have, have asked me how you keep on top of um, things like, say, um, like n- niggly knees and niggly elbows, just niggly joints, stuff that necessarily, aren't necessarily injuries, but um, just like kind of niggles, if you will, and how I would... Um, You're like chronic chronic pain that you just get in training and stuff. Yeah, that you just ca- just kind of get, kind of get used to... Um, so it's gonna we're, we're gonna say our, our, our little philosophy on it today, and then uh, Shane's gonna give some. Uh, I'm gonna give my opinion as um, I suppose um, somebody who would compete in tested federations, blah blah blah, and then Shane's gonna give us some uh, um, advice on um, supplements that we could take. If you come, from our side, is our athlete, our kind of perspective as an athlete, like what we do, isn't it? And uh, yeah, which necessarily isn't the best thing sometimes from a professional standpoint, like a physio, is it? I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> so basically, what 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 I what I try and focus on personally to. Well, what, I'll give you a question, Josh. How? Because well, I know you you have your I know you have niggly knees, don't you? Yeah, so, and sometimes you get the odd elbow, tend gammy arm, don't you? Yeah. How do you manage your knees and elbows? Um, through through like uh, volume management, really, um, with stuff that irritates it. So for me, like, um, been talking about this uh, today to someone actually. Um, so for me, like de- like really deep knee flexion, um. See, it's hard for me to recover from um, doing a lot of volume with that. So, like, say, um, squats, uh, and also like, um, di- if I go into like a half squat, that's probably the, like the the worst position for me. I just get like anterior knee pain. Um, blah 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 blah. Um, when you when you're kind of bracing, you mean instead of like a box or something. Say I'm like, say yeah. Say I'm like, I don't know, squatting down to the toilet or something, and holding that position. Like with my knees, if I let my knees go forward and I don't like yeah, yeah. push back, um, but basically like a, a high bar squat is like it. It takes me ages to warm up like a high bar squat for it to feel normal, if you will. Um, so in reality, in real life, like if I'm training, say, high bar squats or safety bar or whatever, like in reality, it's hard to recover from because I don't do enough, like, say, mobility and readiness stuff because I'm thinking, fucking hell, like, it takes me 45 minutes to get to, to get my ankle, my, my dorsiflexion range of motion, my foot stability activated, my hip external rotators, all that shit. To, to actually get, get a decent position that doesn't give me that anterior knee pain. So more often than not, and this is just being honest and real life, like most of the time I just crack on and uh, do a few sets and you know, a bit, bit of discomfort. And it, it just eases off a little bit. But then if I'm doing that quite a lot, say I was like, say squatting three times a week, like, it'd just be really tough for me to recover from if I'm trying to sprinkle like 
for me training for strongman like putting in like moving events and um and and especially uh overhead stuff like jerks and uh, push press and shit so for me you don't want to be carrying that because because the squat really like you say it's an accessory to strongman isn't it so you don't want that to be carrying on and fucking up your log and stuff do you yeah, exactly. Like I've noticed, a, I've noticed a, a big improvement in my. It, to be honest, mate, every, fucking absolutely everything. Um, and I'm not saying because I do less squats, uh, but I'm saying that I'm showing that you can make really good progress, like holistic, in terms of specific to strongman, without squatting being a huge focus. Yeah, I can squat well. I can squat heavy. I can squat good for reps. I'm skillful. Whatever. But I just don't yeah, do Luke it. Luke Davies doesn't like squatting either, does he? From chaos, he, he says he drops his squat out. Yeah, it, it, to be to be honest, mate, I think that I've noticed um, recently. Actually, I, th- I think with you see it if you 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 ever t- teach a beginner or whatever, or someone getting into it, and uh, they can't squat to depth or whatnot, or they stick a barbell on the back and they can't fucking squat, and usually it's something like ankle mobility or open up the hips a little bit and they'll get a lot better. Um, but you just, it's quite a skillful move. Um, like I said, to do right, like it requires a lot of like ankle flexibility, which a lot of people actually don't have when they, when they get into it. Um, and the people who do have it kind of take, take for granted. And then they kind of think what the fuck's he on about? Like squatting's easy. Um, but anyway, I think that I've noticed recently, like since I've been training for training for England, actually, I've been in stone three times a week. So I've been doing stones in, and zero squatting, zero front squatting. And I've actually noticed that my, I was worried about my, my knee, how my knees had recover. And my knees have been fucking absolutely brilliant. And like even the day after like heavy stone or whatever, I was kind of expecting, oh, like, am I going to be able to move? Am I going to be able to push press? And like my knees have actually felt great. Um, so what would you do though if you came into if you came into a yoke session yeah. and your knees were gammy what would you what would you what would your decision be on that day would you put like obviously I'm sure we've all done both options like push through and go heavy or go lighter but what have you found to be the best decision to make for long term progress um <sighs> Well, it's a tough one, really, because me, like I, I just always fucking crack on and just um, if it's just a niggle, I just like just fucking turn the music up or scream or something until it doesn't hurt. And then, but do uh, you find your niggle yeah. kind of like does but it then, snowball? Like if you push through, will the next week be worse, or is it kind of like just something that every week if you push through, it's well, not gonna you know get bigger yeah, and well, out of control? Well, to, to be, a bit, be, me being me, being truthful. Um, I'd probably just crack on and uh, get through and get the adrenaline to get me through the session. But then I would reflect on it and think, right, why is that hurting there? Like, what have I been doing too much of? Like, what can I do? What can I do differently? So then the following week, um, a thing that I, that I do is like, I'll change, like change my exercise order around to suit recovery. I think that's a massive, massive thing for me, actually. Like if I'm thinking, um, like the following week, I might think, right, well, um, I've come in and my knees are smoked and I'm trying to do that, right? Could I do that earlier in the week and then put the thing that has potentially hurt my knees? Could I, could I put that on a Friday evening um, when I've got the full weekend to recover? Yeah. 
So I'd swap that around first before before changing anything uh, completely. And and bit <clears throat> and bit basically like um, and this is what I, what I try and um, encourage my clients to do is take like a flip like even though we have those days laid out that you do your different stuff, take like a flexible approach to you know this is your training week. If that feels if that fits in better for your structure and your recovery and stuff, putting those exercises there instead of there, how I've laid out. Um, but then I think I think that's so. I think it's an important thing for the athlete to take ownership of of their recovery instead of just like listening to me and you and saying, "Well, Josh has said do fucking stones and yoke on a Monday after deadlifts," uh, but it's oh god, it's trashing my knees, but I'm going to push through it like bollocks like flag it up and then we can yeah. see we can juggle it around a little bit and um and you, and what i'm saying is that you might be able to fact that you can often find a way of getting exactly the same volume and tonnage um in the in the in the training week but whilst um uh, optimizing your recovery a little bit yeah exactly because this i say it all the time and clients message me like i fucking i did this at work and you know i had a long day and my elbow was killing but I pushed through Shane, I did this axle. And um, obviously you want to say, well done, pat on the back or whatever, but then it's like two days later, oh, my elbow's fucked, I can't do the rest of the week. And I'm like, well, just because obviously we work on True Coach, it, you set days, don't you know, just because it says Tuesday is this, if yeah. something changes throughout the week, but like you say, be flexible. Like even if you've got, even if it's a really bad day and you've got to be like, you know what, I need to take my rest day today. I've just got to, because this is what, because obviously we plan weeks, but, there's no, you can't put your mind in their body. You know what I mean? So some days the best choice for the program is to jiggle it around a bit and do the, yeah. do something else. And uh, yeah, the athlete taking ownership of that and the recovery is a, one of the best ways to manage these little niggles and injuries is just listening to how your body's feeling. And if your elbows are smashed up and you've got to do log and that's really affecting your elbow and the eccentric, well, maybe skip the eccentric or maybe look at what a session is later in the week. Can you do, can you do front squats with a cross grip that aren't going to affect your elbows and you know, swap yeah. it around? And then like you say, you've hit the exact program over the week, but managed your elbows or knees or whatever. Yeah, you know what, Shane? That is the fucking, that, that's the, the nail on the head there. Um, and that's what I think everybody should do, right? And here's one for you all to write down. Right. Coaching is structured improvisation, right? So if Shane or Shane or I write you a little pro, write you a program or whatever, like that, that's just treat treat that as instead of treating it as gospel, and then your heart being broken if you if you don't manage to hit certain whatever weights and stuff. Like that, that's got to be a that's got to be a guide. Like if someone's get if someone like me is fucking like struggling with high bar, but then. I can front squat pain free. Like you're gonna want you're gonna want me to push my front squats like every single time, aren't you? Really? Yeah. Um, like, and that that's a that's a key thing. Like everybody can find a variation that's gonna help us toward getting towards that goal. Um, but we 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 just need to play around with variations. Like I've got people I've got people who compete, like uh, say a lady who competes in strong woman who she just like a technique is fucking absolutely awesome on a conventional deadlift, but she just, we, she just can't, just can't recover from it. But, but we've been like build, we've been building, um, 
sumo, trap bar, stuff that people say, oh, it doesn't transfer or whatever. And she's doing great. And she, not only is she, she recovering better, and um, she went and pulled a conventional deadlift tonight just for the first time in months. And it's like absolutely fine. And she felt strong as foot. But it, but it doesn't mean that we have to, when, when she sees deadlift in the group program each week, eight by five at whatever percent, like she's, she's doing her variation where other people are doing conventional whatever. Like she's doing her variation that she can recover from. Another good example of this, Shane, I don't know if you remember, but <clears throat> a couple of years, couple of years ago, um, basically when I started, started tra training, I suppose, more for strongman, um, I think that when I was training overhead, I remember starting training overhead and uh, I, had a, I had like a shoulder injury in my, in my right side and it was just like fucking hurting on the eccentric. And I could, couldn't do anything really. And the only thing that I could find that I could do was a really close grip, strict barbell press that I just felt awful at, but I could do it pain-free. Is that the one you did every day? Yeah, yeah. I did it every day. I started, I started right? I will try and find a video or something. It was crazy. But it, I was doing five by five at 40 kilos. And it was like, that was like fucking enough. And it was pain-free, but it was hard. And I was doing that. Five by five, strict press, close grip, and it, and it was magic because I could I could I could do some upper body and my shoulder wasn't hurting. Um, that eventually was going to build into log and stuff. Um, and then I did like I added a kilo each day. I went forty one, forty two, whatever, until I got up to whatever. And then um, that built a bit of eccentric strength and whatnot. And then I could move on to the other implements. I started training a bit of log and. Um, I found log quite quite good to recover from because of the, like the neutral grip and the slightly shorter range of motion, especially the fat, fatter one, compared to like say, like I used to get baffled with people, everybody else doing like push press from the rack and thinking I can't fucking push press from a rack. I do like fucking eccentric with eight kilos. Like I feel like my right shoulder's gonna fall off. So, so what? <clears throat> If you think about it, what, I, what I've done, like I've improved at overhead. I've got, a, a, I'm competitive at overhead now at the level I compete at. And uh, made some uh, re really good progress on like axle, dumbbell, log, whatever. And um, a thing for me has been like, like I have to manage volume repping from the chest. Like I, I don't do any stuff like where I'm doing push press from the rack or whatever. Mm. Like, or, or, like most of my stuff will be taking the eccentric out. Like if I do log, I'll drop. If I do axle, I'll drop. If I do dumbbell, I'll drop. I sometimes, sometimes get me to do a bit of um, like some log complexes where I'm lowering a little bit. But I think the key thing is finding something you can do because with variation, you don't want to have to like swap it every session. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want to be able to build on it. So if you like, like you said with the, the back squat or whatever, or the front squat, if front squats, pain free yeah. that means you can do it every week you can progress whereas with a back squat even if you can push through a little bit eventually you'll make it so bad that you can't push through as much and you're going to have to be like look i need to change it because it's getting you know it's affecting my pressing now or it's affecting this or that and as long as you've got that variation like you found that close grip strict press you did it every day built upon it built that strength and that's allowed it to recover the injury recover whilst you've built the strength and stability. Yeah. And then you can move on to a variation that you consider a bit more specific to your, your. Yeah. And, and that's it. And then just, just from being consistent and grafting away at it, like 
within a couple of months, I could do these things that I wanted to do that were a bit more impressive. You know, like say log push pressing or doing a few jerks or whatever. I learned that I could do the, oh, I can jerk now. It hurts if I do the eccentric. So I just won't do the eccentric. And, um, and like I say, I've made some good progress on that. Um, so like what you've said, you might find that, that you're actually doing, the, doing like this shit variation that you don't like that's hard but you can do it pain-free. If you're getting some progression on that, you go, you'll probably go back to the thing that you want to do. And like you say, you're going you're gonna to be stronger for it. Yeah. Moving on to the kind of untested side of things, the, thi- the thing with this is that people underestimate and I guess they kind of over-exaggerate the effectiveness of drugs that can heal. Is the... the it's quite a simple subject, really. The process that you follow is exactly the same. So let's use eccentrics on a log as an example. So, or eccentrics on a bench or log, whatever, pressing eccentric. If that hurts your elbow or shoulder or whatever, yeah, there are some drugs out there that you can take that'll speed up the healing process and the recovery process of muscles and tendons. But it's not going to be the fact that, you know, you take that, and then the next week you get in and you can do your bench press and it's a bit less painful. And then another week it's even less painful. The next week it's gone. You still need to do the same process. You still need to find something that's pain-free, allow the injury, inflammation, tear, whatever the hell it is that's causing it, allow that time to recover, and then you transition back. The difference between the two is you're using these supplements to speed up that process so that maybe maybe it took six weeks naturally. It might take three weeks if you're using some supplements. So it just means that your time that you transition back is, is quicker. But the thing that I always say to people is, if you find a pain-free variation that's like a good variation, just run a training block of it. Like you don't have to rush back to, you know, log or whatever. You can, you can run a six-week peak peak that lift, you know, get strong at it, feel like you've progressed really well and then transition over. So it's one of them really that unless you've got a competition coming up where you need to be training, you know, this specific item, I would still actually take more time out than needed just to recover fully, just because you don't want to jump in too early and, you know, re-aggravate it or something, do you? Yeah. Let's use a case study, an example uh, someone who I'm really impressed with, one of your clients, Rob Brock, right? And he's bench. He did 200 yep. bench recently, didn't he? Right? Yep. And you've seen it. I've I've seen him train and be in pain with fucking 80 kilos or whatever, looking like a right. I won't say. Well, well, but, Rob Rob couldn't bench for. Well, that was it because of his shoulder, I think. Like, go, go through some of the variations that you did with him. It was. Um, oh, I know it. I know it off by heart because it's a mad one. So basically, anyway. Rob hit a, I think he hit rough, these figures are rough, but he hit a 170 bench and then we were going for 180. And I think he, during the peak to 180, did something to his shoulder. And then we, he basically couldn't even bend. If he ended up with nerve pain down from his anterior delt all the way down into like his um, uh, little finger, I think it was. And he basically just got this numb arm. And then he'd, he'd wake up and he'd have all this inflammation. He'd have no external rotation. And this was after benching like 60 kilo for five or something. Like one set of five at 60, he'd do that. So he was just mauled. He couldn't 
push press, he couldn't strip press, he couldn't do anything. But then we found that if he did a seated no back support strip press, because I think the load was lighter and it forces you to be really vertical torsoed, he could do that. So we basically peaked his seated strip press. You know, we started off at tens and just linearly progressed up to one rep max. And he hit like a hundred kilo seated strip press or something. And then we were like, well, let's see what standing's like now. And then he was like, oh, standing's fine. And I was like, oh, well, let's, let's try some incline as well. Let's see what we can get away with. And he did the incline and that, that hurt his shoulder again. So then we were like, right, we'll just start the strip press. So we, we peaked the strip press. Then we transitioned to a push press, peaked the push press. These are all like two or three month peaks as well. So it's like a long period of time. And then we went to incline, did the same thing of a high incline. And then we were like, we'll try flat bench. I remember this. I was like, yes, the incline like 160 something. I was like, I was like surely you can bench now. Bench 60 for a couple of sets of 10. Next day, he texts me, yeah, can't bench. The shoulder's fucked again. So then we just slowly lowered his incline over a period of months. And then we went to a floor press because we found he could do close grip floor press. And then randomly, it hurt his back. <laughs> so then, so then we started rehabbing his back, but then found that he could bench again after the floor presses. So we've done this bench press peak, which his lifetime goal was to bench 200 kilos. You know, that was like a huge goal. And we managed to, yeah, over the last, he's been benching probably about six months, I think now. Been back benching, like proper grip and everything. And yeah, six months of training. Um, ticked off a 190 first block and then a 200 this last block. That's like a crazy extended year and a half long work around of injuries, but it all kind of acclimatized, if that's the word, together to make that 200 bench, like strengthening it. He had a huge imbalance in his overhead strength. He was pretty shit at incline as well. So like all these things, even though they weren't benching, they all kind of led to allow him to hit that 200 when he was pain-free. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely amazing, mate, honestly. Well and now he's doing the same with his deadlift. Because <laughs> he's, he's hurt his back, he's, he's deadlifting off. We found he can pull off a 15-inch, I think it is, pain-free. So we're doing some 15-inch sumos because he can't conventional. I think he's due to lend a trap bar off you as well, actually, or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, could, be, that could be really good, actually. Um, yeah, I think... Um, yeah, so so to to have the success that Rob's had, um, I think like credit to credit to Shane for for state for like um, thinking outside the box and I suppose staying cool as well. That's a bit that's a big thing. If, like there'll be times where he's feeling like fucking shit, wanting to give up, and you're you're keeping that kind of problem solving kind of attitude. And then, yeah, because the thing with Rob was when he started seeing the PBs on the variations, you're you just buzzing, aren't you? You're like, oh, I'm getting stronger. So yeah. just being yeah. able to do that kept him his head in the game. Uh, and also, he's a fucking robot. He just loves training, so it's easy when you got a good client, I suppose. But, but yeah, but yeah. but what I'm saying, but but it's but I think credit credit to Rob as well. Like the the um, like. <laughs> There's been times where he's where he just wants to fucking squat bench deadlift and do nothing else, doesn't he? Yeah. In fact, I got him to do log that one time, didn't I? And then, <laughs> he, and then he fucking broke his toe. I, I bro- 
like got into going to my gym and I said, Oh Rob, Rob, oh come and come and lift this log. And he did like a I don't know, one ton log or something, and then he dropped it on his foot, broke his toe, <laughs> didn't he? Well um, that's actually why Is he, he still using the, is he still wearing those squat shoes? Yeah, he does, but that's why he hurt his back, you know. Because <laughs> he like continued his training block with a broken toe. Um and he was obviously like putting more force through one leg. The whole time, he deadlift. I think he deadlifted two ninety in your gym, and he squatted two eighty five or something in Hicksies, and he must have been applying loads of force through one leg, and it like did some of his pelvis, and like made him fucking pop a jam donut out of his back. So yeah, ah oh, fucking hell. But yeah, what what I'm saying is your fault. <laughs> back to the the, uh, the serious point is um, yeah, credit to Shane, but also credit to Rob for. Um, for showing willing and uh, not panicking. So anybody out there who is managing an injury or niggle, like do not panic. And if you and if you if you're on your own, if you don't have a coach or whatever, right, and you seriously stump, just message me or Shane, and we'll we'll get back to you and we'll 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 give we'll we'll give you a variation that you can go and do and um, go and try uh, because we, there's always something in them. There's always something exactly exactly. Um, and over the years, like how many injuries have we had to deal with with clients and stuff, and ne- like never once has there been fucking one where I've been absolutely stumped and I thought, oh fucking hell, you're just gonna have to sit on the sofa and do nothing. <laughs> like, like we've said it before, but injuries are opportunities. But the um, the the thing that I was gonna say, credit to Rob, and. Uh, and advice to everybody, anybody out there who's got a little injury or niggle, like lose the ego. If you drop the ego, you'll you'll have a lot more success. Like if I if I'd have been, it, to be honest, I'll be I'll be honest, mate. Right when I I remember doing that push press five by five at forty in Hicks's when I didn't know like paddy and shit that well, and there were times there where I was like I was a bit embarrassed. Like I was maybe a bit put off, like, what are they going to think? Like, maybe I should go and do this exercise instead while they're in because I'm I'm reasonable at that. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I just... Yeah, trying to, like, prove yourself. But like, like, like we know, people respect you more for doing that, but you just don't kind of mentally see it that way sometimes. Yeah, and that's it. And, um, but doing that has has like led to like some incredible progress. So, uh, and, that, and that's a big part of it. If I didn't do that little block, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't be as, as improved as much as I have done today. And the thing with my overhead and upper body touch wood, like I do get a bit of, el- like a bit of elbow pain at this left side. Um, but, but generally like, I feel like I could do, I could train upper body every day. Like I could do something every day and, don't get any doms or anything like that. My- yeah, I feel like I think I, I love high frequency upper body. I think it's fucking class. Yeah. Um, so this le- this kind of chat, like listening to our kind of um, <clears throat> philosophies, leads into our guest next week. So would you be able to tell, introduce who we've got on, we've got on next week, uh, Shane? And also, guys, when you, when Shane's introduced it. If um, we'll put a box on Instagram, we'll both put a box on Instagram there for questions. Um, so if you've got any questions that you'd like answered next week. So who have we got? Yeah, so we've got Aaron on, also known as Mofo Body Mechanic. 
Um, if you don't follow him, you should check him out on Instagram. He's got one of the best educational Instagrams for strength athletes. Um, he, he does a lot of rehab for basically strength athletes. So the common things that you, you deal with basically in training, like anterior delt pain, elbow issues, knee issues, um, you know, if you're getting a little bit of lower back pain and uh, or hip pain when you're in deep flexion, whatever it is, there's like videos out there on his Instagram, you know, for free to basically just go over and do as a, a movement preparation before you train or even as some kind of rehab at home or prehab. So his Instagram is definitely worth a follow. But also he, I've worked closely with him for a couple of months now. Uh, since since I, ba I basically messaged him about an adductor issue I had and I was blown away by the service I got. It was only an online consultation, but the just the quality and information he gave me and the follow-up and making sure things were going okay with the rehab and everything. I thought, Jesus Christ, this is like really good service. I was really impressed. So I've actually, um, if any clients ever have issues, I always put them onto Aaron and I've got to know him really well. And I think he's, I think he's just really good at what he does. And he's always got an answer and he just knows the body inside out, uh, which I love, you know, there's never an erm or an R and doesn't really know and he wings it. It's like, he knows the answer is very clever. So next week he's going to be basically going over and chatting about, yeah, common injuries, niggles, things that we can do as athletes to work around stuff or rehab them. And hopefully we'll be able to learn some stuff as well that we'll be able to apply. So if we get some good questions on for him, instead of what would you rather do, shag your mum or get shagged by your dad, that'll be great. <laughs> Yeah, quality. So, um, so look, link to link to the recovery thing. What we've kind of talked about managing injuries and niggles and stuff. A thing that, um, like, I'm very keen on with. Oh, my training philosophy personally is about like reco proactive recovery management and stuff by just basically not doing too much and not trying to be greedy and and do too much more than last week or whatnot. And being consistent, so if you are consistent, you notice because you're making such small progress, like you can actually you can actually just put the brakes on or accelerate a little bit more, and you're not taking too big of a jump at any given point. I think that's a key thing. Um, but in terms of uh, like an individual training session, if some people saw me train for a full session, they 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 might be surprised that actually I don't do much like warm up and whatnot. Um, which is very different to what a lot of people do. Um, like I, I used to do some like like general mobility, band, foam rolling, uh, self myofascial release, and stuff like that. Whereas now my kind of philosophy, or I've had greater success with prioritizing technique and um, and basically just using mobility and um, stability and stuff like general warm-up stuff as like a remedial thing if I can't achieve a certain position that I'm trying to do with the movement that I'm trying to do if, if that makes sense like say for instance I'll go into a farmer's walk right, and I'll video it with like a light, light set and then I'll notice that oh my right side my knee's collapsing in big time or right I'll do a bit of um, I'll do a quick calf stretch on that side I'll do a little bit of banded or whatever I'll do it external rotation shit, a clam or whatever. And I'll just basically bring, try and bring myself back to normal with, without wasting as much time. Do you, do you understand what I mean? What do, what yeah, I understand exactly what you mean. The thing I, I'm, 
the thing is, I'm. What do I you think? I'm growing as a coach and an athlete myself because I used to spend hours doing, um, and I used to swear by it. Like even like a year ago, two years ago, I used to swear by it. Um, you know, doing getting, it, getting an hour early and do your mobility. Like, yeah, I'm starting to go away from it a bit, to be honest with you. And what I'm starting to do is just spend spend a bit more time at like, um, say I'm squatting, I'll just spend a bit more time at 60 kilos or something, you know, do a couple of sets at 60 and make sure, you know, I kind of know what feels good and what doesn't. So like you say, I'll do a few sets at 60 and if I'm like, you know what, this, I need to be here, I'll, I'll maybe do one or two stretches to like get my position, but I won't come in and stretch before I even squat, if you know what I mean. I'll, I'll find out my issue if I have one, because sometimes I don't, and then I'll sort it. Yeah. Or I would come in and I'd be like, right, I need to stretch my ankles, my hips, my quads, my hamstrings, and then I'll do some glute activation and because it made me feel good. And I'll be honest, it did make me feel good, but then I realized that just doing a few squats at 60, getting a bit of a sweat on for like five minutes, and then maybe doing the odd hip stretch, I feel just as, just as good, and it's taking 10 minutes rather than, 45 or something sometimes i spend yeah. more time mobilizing than i would training yeah um and if i was going to give somebody some ge general uh, general advice for some if someone says well no i need i need to do a general warm-up i can't go straight into uh, exercise i feel like shit like um if i had to pick one lower body exercise and one upper body exercise and you think of your answer to this as well shane uh, one lower body exercise and one upper body exercise. One lower body exercise that I do, uh, recommend would be uh, some variation of a front-loaded squat, like a goblet squat. Like I'm not talking heavy. I'm talking like say grab a ten or ten kilo plate or a fifteen kilo plate. Use it as a counterbalance. Squat down. You'll be able. It'll provide you the stability so you can really um, sink down to your bottom position and uh, focus on your ankles, your heat your knee flexion, your hip flexion, your external rotation at the hips, your foot stability, thoracic extension. You could even let go of one and move your arms a lot, look about and get a bit of lap movement and rotation. Um, so you're getting quite a bit there for a, for like, say, if you would wanted to do like one minute of something that's going to tick a load of boxes, I think that'd be uh, really, really good. Um, and then for upper body, something like, I don't know, people call them different names, like, like say floor slides, YouTube them, like lying on your back and you're focusing on external rotation and um, thoracic extension, or you could do like prone IWTs or whatever you want to call them. Same, yeah. same kind of thing where, you, where you're ticking quite a lot of boxes or, or like a band dislocate. And I think they're great. Oh, sorry, I've just given you three, haven't I, instead of one. But just like... <laughs> But just even if you just pick one of those and just execute it really well for a minute, and uh, do the do the goblet squat variations, I think you'll um, I think you'll you'll will find a benefit generally. What about you, Shane? One one lower body, one upper body. Hmm. Well, I'll I'll give a more movement prep answer because I'll go on then. I like that. So I would do my my favourite that I I love, and something that if I had a prowler. And some space to do I would still do I just love before a lower body day doing prowler push just like empty you know 
uh, pushing a prowl at 20 meters and then five inchworms, which is like a CrossFit fucking thing. Where you, you walk your, it's like a dynamic hamstring stretch. You just walk, you, you're in a press-up position, you walk your feet to your hands with straight, straight legs and then you walk your hands back out and walk your feet in. But you keep, them, keep straight legs and um, just like three or four rounds of that. So I'll do 20 meter prowler push, five inchworms and you get in some concentric only quads in there getting your heart rate up and then you're like dynamically stretching your hamstrings getting a bit of core in there when you're down there so it takes like two minutes it's real good bang for buck and the upper body i would go with similar to what you said some kind of upper back thing like an iwt or something like that uh just because i think that before any pressing i just feel better if i do some kind of like just like five minutes, like band dislocates, like you say, I'll do a band dislocate and then I'll do a couple of band pull-aparts for my upper back. A band dislocate, a couple of band pull-aparts. Yeah. I think for like a minute just walking around talking to people and uh, I always feel like I've stretched my chest and upper body out but I've also kind of activated the rear and it makes me feel more stable. I instantly get a better position overhead and it takes like 30 seconds a minute, you know what I mean? Whereas before, what I used to do was I'd... Um, do some kind of um i do loads of stuff so passive hangs is another one i like you put, i would just do that if i was doing them but i used to do passive hangs dislocates i do a lap stretch i do some external rotation i'd be there for 30 minutes like before an overhead session whereas now i would just pick all into one. your pack and your lap yeah <laughs> everything yeah um so let, well let, let's build on that and there uh, co- cover a couple of like general things like say general kind of things that like <clears throat> let's explain in in layman's terms like why the fucking band dislocates and the the upper back stuff works like basically most of us are going to be spending a lot of a lot of time with in this um like internally rotated shoulder position or slouch back or hunchback and notre dame position if you think about it and uh, from doing a lot of sitting, whether it be at work or whether it be in the car or the commute or whatnot. Um, so for a lot of us, like it's just we can just simply try to get get out of that before we start at the gym by by doing something that promotes uh, getting us getting us out of uh, like basically a bend forward of the spine to like more neutral and more straight or more upright posture, and then. Um, Doing stuff for the upper back, and um, that's gonna I, I actually like um, supinated bum forward parts. Could you get that? Promote that um, external rotation as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so stuff, stuff like that's common with with like our lifters, overhead or benches or whatever. Like those people who get that kind of anterior shoulder pain, and general anterior shoulder pain, can often just be fixed by getting a like get a little bit more thoracic extension and um, um, activation of the external rotators, like your upper back, rear delts and stuff, get those firing, get stable on the bench and you can often find that your stuff, like that pinching at the front can just magically clear up, can't it? Yeah, a good, a good one on the bench is if you... If you're a bit experienced with it and you've got proprioception and can just like you know what you what muscles you're using and stuff on the bench, I'll sometimes just set up on the empty bar and then as I do my uh, bench to the chest, I'll just concentrate when it's on my uh, chest of just trying to pull the bar through me almost and just squeezing my upper back and just holding it for five seconds, then doing a press and squeezing and holding it. 
and that way you're getting the you know the upper back activation and everything from the actual movement so again it's just saving you a couple of minutes you know yeah in in, in that exact position as well that you need it in so that's quite a good one i learned that off uh, i was just at a well, I was just fucking watching people at a powerlifting comp and uh just watched your know, chris Pugh. yeah or not yeah yeah yeah, yeah. under 82 machine i think he is but he uh anyway yeah he just he had a, he had a uh, peanut on the bench yeah. so he had a bit better thoracic extension and then he was just benching the bar and squeezing really hard at the bottom and then he took the peanut away he, he warmed up for like 30 seconds and i was like Fuck, that's really clever that little bastard he's like he's, he's doing this thoracic extension his upper back activation in the specific movement and it took him 20 seconds i was like little bastard yeah. so i stole it <laughs> so where uh, so a re- really sp- specific if you if you want to be really really time efficient um a really specific one for log and overhead um that i do all the time is literally go get the empty log out set up and then i'll go, go on a foam roller for like 10 seconds and i'll um just reach my arms overhead and i'll feel like i'm cracking at my upper back at my t-spine uh, where i just instantly feel a little bit more unlocked and then i'll go to log um do do and, and basically on my first rep my first warm-up rep i'll do like a 10 15 second hold where i'll focus on pushing my ribs down uh getting upper spine extension and external rotation and really trying to pull the log back um and i just find that ticking up ticking a shitload of boxes there um that's just literally the first minute of your of your session after setting up and um Instantly, I feel like I'm in a in a really good position. Um, I just wrote a question down for Mofo there. Uh, go. What 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 are you going to ask him? Are you going to save it for next week? Yeah. Well, basically, it's uh, I feel the same way as you. Before I do overhead, I've got to like crack my uh, T spine every fucking session. Get a roller, and I'm like, oh god, instant instant extension. And I want to know why I have to do it every time. Cool. Right. Have you, you got anything else uh, to say, Shane? Uh, no. That's right. It. In fact, what, 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 what are we up to? Right. Last little thing to wrap up on, right? I've got a little question here. Someone's written, messaged me. Um, oh, fucking hell. Uh, strat- strategies when feeling absolute wank and how to get the most out of sessions when they invariably appear like you're going to fail. What do you think, Shane? Well, he's saying, am I lagging, by the way? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, you're, lag- you're lagging a little bit, but we're, we'll... Um... We'll stick with it. You usually no, like man. this anyway, mate, when you're stoned. <laughs> uh, I'm not stoned today, so. Well, what I'd say is, if they're appearing to go wank, and it's not sounding like it's going wank, if you know what I mean. Like, sometimes I've had sessions where every single thing points in the direction of it's going to be shite, and then I have a really good session. So I would always, personally, I never judge the day by how I feel when I walk in the gym. 
I judge it by as I'm building up to what I'm going to do. So I would always just go in with an open mind. And sometimes I tell myself, I'm like, you know, these days, Shane, you feel like you're going to have a shit and you're about to have a cracker. So, so I always start, you know, uh, the session as I meant to. And then if it does turn out to go wank, I'll just adjust on the day, you know what I mean? I'll say, let's say I had a top set on deadlift. Say I was supposed to pull three in for three and it went shite. I got two or something, I got one. I'd be like, right, let's go back down to 170 and I'll do like seven sets of five at 170 and I'll be like, right, then I'm going to just like get really low rest and all the rest of my assistants gonna, I'm going to make up for it there. That's just how I do it. Um, but I, would, I will always attempt my session, put myself out of it. I don't, I don't like a plan B. I think if I got a plan B, I'm setting a little safety net and I'm telling myself I need a plan B. I, I want a plan B. I'm doing plan A and I'm trying plan A and I don't care if I fail. I'm not scared of failing. You know what I mean? That is my view on it. Yeah. Cool. So very similar, very similar to what I'd say. So if you just, if you're just feeling like you're feeling a bit more before training, just fucking grow a set of bullets. And no, in fact, I'll take that back. Cause there's some female listening. Um, <laughs> that, that's just fucking awful what I've just said just ignore what I've said edit um, no just just you, you need to learn how to detach emotion from it doesn't matter how you feel if you feel like if you feel great and you feel like you're going to smash it just ignore ignore yourself equally like like forget how you feel like don't link how you feel with how your training session is going to go because like Shaji pointed out they, 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 they don't necessarily correlate so detach emotion completely. But if um, if it's going, um, if you're doing your warm up sets and it feel, feels like shit, right? Because I'll hold my hand up, right? Today this exact thing happened to me, right? But I ended up having a, a brilliant session. But because what was doing all all I was focused on today was doing deadlifts, and it was that second session of the week. I was doing two sets of four, two fifty, and. Um, just warming up and I thought, fucking hell, this feels a bit heavy and just feels awful. And then I got to two, I did 200 for three and then just felt, ah, it doesn't feel good, but I'm going to keep going. And I went to 225 and I was going to do 225 for three as my last warm up because I did 225 for three the other day and it felt great before I did 250 for five or whatever. And then I did 225 for one and then I went for the second and I thought breaking it off the floor, it was like, I can make this rep, but it's probably going to feel like my spine's going to snap. And um, so I just thought there's no fucking, there's no chance I'm doing 250. So um, I sacked it off and I thought, I thought to myself, right, well, I'm, I'm going to get the suit out. Actually, I'm going to get the suit out because I want my, I want it to be like my last max effort deadlift session before England. So I just want to feel like if I go for max effort stimulus on the raw, I'm just going to end up feeling like shit. So I put the suit on thinking, right, I'm going to pull three sets of one at 300 here. And then uh, ended up doing 240 and nearly fucking hitched it. So um, it, just felt, <laughs> it, just, it just felt awful. So um, I abandoned ship and then I just thought, right, come on then. Be, be positive, fresh mind, go and push something else. So then I went and pushed my medley and I did really well on the speed. Um, push the yoke the yoke was dead light and easy whatever but I was really focused on getting getting the speed on that and then I ended up thinking right well I've I haven't gone max effort on on deadlift because I haven't been able 
to get anywhere near what I wanted to do. So I went for max effort on farmers and then I've done loads of extra farmers and I've been faster. My grip felt brilliant and um, I've ju ju just done, done great on that. So which wouldn't have happened if my session had gone to plan, if you will. So my point is, is just from having like an open yeah. mind and... Um, and um, yeah, because a good, a good session doesn't have to be PBs or, you know what I mean, or, or heavy weight. It can be like, you can just come away from a session like I grafted today. I did some good work and you feel good and that's all you want, really. Yeah. Yeah, that, well, that, that's it. So just going back to what we said, what we said at the start about like, just just trust your intuition. As long as you're not being a little like, you're not, you're not skiving. And, um, you know, like say it, it doesn't, doesn't bother me. Like I quite like having a plan B because I'll never opt for it. Like I'll, I will never, ever, no matter how bad I feel, like I'll never like go for, I'll never like shy out of anything really, unless I think not because it's hard, but if I think that the, I'm just really going next to that, that injury threshold, then, then I will back yeah, up yeah. a little bit with it. What I mean by plan B, really, I meant like I don't go into a session with a backup plan. I'll make the, I'll yeah, make yeah, yeah, the yeah. decision after the, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Cool. Right, good, good place to wrap up. So look forward to next week with uh, MoFo Body Mechanic. So, um, yeah, it should be a good one. So uh, make sure you follow him before uh, next week uh, on Insta and then you can get a bit of a background and then obviously it'll feel more relevant when you listen to him speaking. Yeah. Boom. Nice one, Shane. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thank you. That was a good one. Peace out.